Oh, good morning, church. Good morning. It's so good to be together today, and welcome everybody here in Franklin. Welcome if you're watching online. Our God is good, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, all the granddads out there. Hey, way to go. Let's give them some, yeah, way to go, dads. I'm a dad. I love being a dad. I got amazing kids. I'm so thankful for them. What a great day. We have come today to worship our Heavenly Father. We praise God that we're not spiritual orphans, that we've been adopted into the family of God, and that He is our Father. And as our Father, He promises to provide for us, protect us. And so we come with grateful hearts today on this day to give Him praise and give Him glory. Oh, also, hey, welcome back to our series. We're in this great series. We're in this great series called Life on Purpose. And I'm so thankful for this series this summer because, see, what can happen to many people is this is that we can live our lives, we're going through the motions, we're going through the activity, and we just kind of drift along, right? And then all of a sudden we wake up a year later, or five years later, or ten years later, and we think, how'd I get here, right? I wanted to be over here. I wanted to be a, a, a godly husband or father or a, a wife or mother. I wanted to be a man or woman after God's heart. I wanted to live my life for Him. I wanted to accomplish these things in life, and, and yet I just kind of drifted along. I just kind of got caught up with everything that was happening, and And here I am today, and we want to say, no, 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 no. Let's live on purpose. Let's live our life on purpose for the glory of God. Let's make every moment, every decision, every opportunity count for his name and for his glory. Let's live a life on purpose. And so in our series, we're looking at this guy who did that. And his name was Saul, right? And we're seeing his story unfold before our eyes. And this guy, man, he was living his life. And he was successful, he was making a lot of money, right? He was a lawyer, he was religious, but he was far from Jesus. He was far from Jesus. But then Jesus met him. We saw last week, Jesus met him on a road to Damascus and changed his life forever. And his purpose in life became, hey, I want to know Christ and I want to make him known. I want to live my life for the glory of God. And God used him to impact and change the world. And so we're going to see a story unfold more today. And if you have a Bible with you today, I pray that we would just dive into God's Word and God would open our eyes and our hearts. So let's jump there to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Now, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Maybe you've got a mobile device. You can access the Scriptures on version. Go to Acts 9 there if you've got a phone or iPad or something or wherever you are watching today. Hey, jump in with us. But Acts chapter 9, New Testament so you got the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, all talking about Jesus, his life, his ministry, and then you come into Acts, and it's all about the church and the way God moved and worked, and Acts was written by Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, kind of volume one, and then wrote Acts, and so we're going to see this today. Now, Acts chapter nine, verse one, remember, if you remember last week, it says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So this guy, Saul kind of took it upon himself to be the one to persecute the church. He wanted to stop this movement. The church is growing. As we saw in our last series, We the Church, in the first seven chapters, there's this huge growth in the church, 120 believers, then 3,000, then 5,000 men. And so it was just sweeping all over Jerusalem. The church, Jesus, lives are being transformed, people being baptized. It's exciting. And then the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, said, hey, we got to stop this. And so Saul took it upon himself, and he was there when Stephen was martyred, when Stephen, they stoned this guy to death, and Saul was there giving approval to it all, and he goes to the chief priest, and he says, hey, I'm going to go stop this movement, even over in Damascus. 
150 miles away from Jerusalem. And so Saul's breathing out these murderous threats. He's going to arrest men and women. He's going there to round them up, to stop the church. (laughs) And that's where Jesus meets him. And he's blinded, this light from heaven. He falls down, all the soldiers and the people with him, they can't figure out what's going on. And this guy's blinded for three days. And for three days, he's thinking about his life. For three days, he's thinking about the direction of his life and how I'm going to live and what am I going to do with Jesus. A lot of people have had about three months, right, of kind of no activities of slowing down. What's my life really about? What really matters? What's going to last? God, family, church, community, those things that are going to be important. I want to live my life on purpose. And Jesus changes his heart. And Saul becomes this ambassador for Christ. Man, he is just on fire for the Lord. We left off last week at verse 22. Pick up there, and it says this. It says, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. So he's coming into Damascus as a Jew saying, hey, it's not about Jesus. And now all of a sudden he's going in to all these synagogues and going, hey guys, listen, I know the Old Testament backwards and forwards, and I just want to prove to you Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one. He is the hope. He is the life. And, and you can imagine, they're like, whoa, what happened? I mean, you think about in your life, the person that you think they would never accept Christ. They would never give their life to Christ. That's this guy. And now this guy is on fire for the Lord, man. He is like preaching and teaching. In verse 23, it says, after many days, after many days had gone by. And and a lot of biblical scholars, you know, they kind of think that might have been two to three years. If you go into Galatians, you know, Saul becomes the Apostle Paul. He writes later on that he went into Arabia for a little while. He might have gone down to Qumran where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. There was, a, there was a followers of the way that were down there. But he's studying. He's growing. He's learning. He's getting deeper in his faith and his knowledge and love of the Lord. And it says after many days had gone by, he comes back to Damascus and he's teaching there. And there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. All right, so, you know, he's going in to kill Christians, and now the Jews are wanting to kill him, right? He's like, wait a minute, what's going on? There's a lot of killing here, right? But but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. This is like this big escape, right? This, you know, and and back then, they would take the trash. There would be a wall around the city, and the trash would go out these little slits, and they would lower a rope down with a basket of trash, and would go outside the city walls. So his followers, they put Saul in the basket, and they lower him down at night, and he escapes out of Damascus, and he goes back to Jerusalem, 150 miles away. And when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Notice that word, afraid. They were afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. So he comes back to Jerusalem, and there's Peter and James and John and the leaders of the early church, and he's like, hey, guys, you know, I want to join the church. They're like, no way, man. Uh Uh-uh, right? This is a trap. I mean, we know. We saw you. You were there when Stephen, our brother, was, was stoned to death. No way. We're not letting you in. Man, they are afraid. They're living in fear. And so look what happens, verse 27. But Barnabas... Now, I love this guy, Barnabas, you guys. This guy was amazing. We saw him in Acts chapter 4. You may remember Barnabas. His name was Joseph, but the apostles changed his name to Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. I mean, people just love being around this guy. 
And it says that in Acts 4, he, he sold some land and brought the money and gave it to the church to, to further the work. And God was just using this guy. Well, Barnabas took him, right? He goes to Saul. He took him, and he brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas isn't afraid. Barnabas goes to Saul and says, hey, man, can we grab lunch? You know, I want to hear your story. I want to know what's going on. And Saul tells him, man, I, I was on the road to Damascus. <laughs> and Jesus met me, and he's like, yes. Barnabas believes him. He brings him into the church, brings him to the apostles. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. Right? He's like, I'm just having a discussion. I'm showing you in the Old Testament how Jesus is the Messiah, and now you're trying to kill me. There's a lot of hatred here. Well, when the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea, Caesarea Maritima. It's right there on the shores of the Mediterranean, a, a city, you know, Port Harbor that Herod built. And they take him down there, and they put him on a ship, and they sent him off to Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus. So that's where he was from. They sent him back home. Now look at verse 31. The correlation, then, notice this, then, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, right? That doesn't mean, oh, we're scared of God. That means a reverence and awe, respect of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers, <laughs> It increased the You see, as the church, like, included Saul, as the church opened up the doors and said, hey, come in and be a part of what God's doing. We're going to include everybody. Come on in. It grew. It increased, right? And they were encouraged, and there was a time of peace that happened. This is powerful, and this is so important for where we are today. All right, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I want you to write down. If you're on the Rolling Hills app or you got a piece of paper, you want to write some things down today, Here's the things I want you to get as we live life on purpose. How has God changed your heart? I want you to think about that for a minute. How has God changed your heart? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And Christ literally means Messiah. All right, here is Saul who goes in as a religious leader. He goes in as a Jew. And God changes his heart, right? Saul's life was completely changed. If you read and study, right, you'll see that the Jews back in the Old Testament, right, they thought they were it. They're the children of God. It's all about them. But what they didn't realize, right, even though it's clearly spelled out in the Old Testament that I'm going to call out a people for myself who will be a light to the Gentiles, was that God was going to send his son Jesus who would die for all, right? Jesus said, right, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so here is Saul thinking, I'm Jewish. It's all about me, and it's about my people, and I'm gonna snuff out anybody else who is different than me who doesn't agree with me. Later on, Saul becomes the apostle Paul, and he writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, Here's what he writes. He says, hey, listen, there is neither, notice this, Jew nor Gentile. Like, whoa, wow, that was radical, man. I mean, they, 
Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's a heart change. (laughs) That is a radical heart change for him to start to say, hey, I'm going to love all people. Guys, notice this one. Racism is a sin. Racism is a sin. And if you've never heard that in church before, hear it today. Racism is a sin. It's not of God. God created all people. And God loves all people. All people report to him, you know? And we got to understand that. Now, racism has always existed in our world. It's not just in our country, right? It's always existed in the world. Why? Because the evil in man's heart. We are sinful people. And racism comes from pride. It comes from arrogance. And pride is the mother of all sins. It's trying to put ourselves above somebody else or one race above another race. I mean, you see it throughout the world, right? You see it in Islam. You've got the Shiites and the Sunnis. And there's wars. And they're killing each other over this, right? There's racism there. You see it in Hinduism. You've got the caste system there. and elevates one group over another group, right? You look throughout history. Think about this. It wasn't that long ago that World War II happened. There are people alive today that were alive during World War II. And during World War II, a whole country, right, the, the Nazis tried to exterminate the Jews. I mean, literally tried to kill them all. Wanted to take them all out. And, and not just the Jews, but, but people who had special needs or, or people who didn't agree with them or who believed differently than them. I, I mean, you're just thinking, how in the world does this happen? It's heartbreaking. It's scary. It's a sin of the heart. And, and do you know, if you go back and study history, right, do you, do you know many of the Nazis were driven by ideas that they would say came out of Christian thought. Martin Luther, right, talking about, well, it was the Jews who killed Jesus. And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But you see that comes into the heart. Racism is a sin. And we're dealing with it in our country today. We've been dealing with it worldwide, and we need to stop it. As a church, we need to stop it because it's not the heartbeat of God. Is there someone or some group of people you think you're better than? I think for every one of us, we've got to search our hearts. Every one of us, we've got to come to a point where we search our hearts and we go, wait a minute, what do I believe? Now, I'm not just going to start out there with the world and whatever. No, I want to start with me because God changed Saul's heart. And God had to do that in order to use him for God's glory, but it's got to start with us. And maybe for us, maybe there's something we've grown up with. There's been a thought in our lives or in our hearts. And maybe it's not a a race of people. Maybe it's socioeconomic. Or maybe it's education. Or maybe it's somebody who's different than us and we don't understand. And so we've kind of harbored inside of us this feeling that maybe I'm a little bit better than they are. Stop. It's not of the Lord. It's a sin. And we can say, God, search me. David prayed in Psalm 51, Lord, search me and know me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any impure way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And for us, have you gotten to that point? Have I gotten to that point? God, search me. Start with me and start with my heart. All right, notice this. When we meet Jesus, our lives should look different than the world. When we meet Jesus, our lives should look different than the world. And if we get in our lives right, and we start looking like the world over here, and we're thinking like the world over here, and we're kind of going that direction, and we kind of go, wait a minute, 
Maybe I'm missing my purpose. Maybe I'm not loving like I should or living like I should because Jesus should change my heart and my life. Notice this is number two, the power of one. Guys, this is so important, the power of one. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. The apostles were afraid. Barnabas goes to him. Barnabas. God used Barnabas. You know, instead of being afraid, Barnabas goes, hey man, let's go sit down and let's talk. I want to hear your story. I want to hear where you're coming from. I want to hear what's going on in your life and in your heart. Saul, tell me what happened with you. He went to him. He took the initiative. He sat down with him and God used Barnabas. God's going to use Saul. (laughs) Changed his heart. Gave him a love, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. And God wants to use him, send him, make him a light to the Gentiles. And here's the thing, right? God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use every Christ follower for his name and for his glory. God wants to use all of us to be the hands and feet of Christ and to show the love that we've received and offer that love to others. Uh, you know, everything that's happened in our country, and you kind of look at this, and you just start to pray, and you're saying, God, bring hope. God, bring healing. But there's also these God moments that you've seen. And I saw the other day on Facebook, there was a police officer, and she's a, a female officer in New Orleans. And, and she posted this thing on Facebook, and she said, you know, last night I, I, I reposted the video of this two-year-old biracial child who was who was there at this Blue Gas conference or this concert in Atlanta. And, and then he, this child, you may have seen this, he just started going around and hugging people. This two-year-old kid, he's just hugging everybody, right? He's just hugging everybody at the whole, you know, his parents are trying to leave, and he's just going up and hugging everybody. And, and this police officer, she said, you know, I just saw that, and I, the kid didn't care about race. He didn't care if people were different. He, he just was walking up and just hugging. You know, and people start yelling out, free hugs, count me in, you know, right? You know, just like right there. And she goes, I want that. I want that. And then she's talking and she goes, you know, and I realize I'm driving to work this morning and I'm late to work and I'm almost out of gas. And I pull into the gas station and, and here I am in my, you know, uniform and, and I'm pumping gas. And she said, I see this taxi cab pull up and this, this young white kid, this Caucasian kid gets out and he starts walking toward me. And I'm thinking, oh no, I don't have time for this. You know, I got I to gotta go. I got to get to work. And he comes over and he says, uh, officer, uh, can I pray for you? And she said, I, I just didn't know what to say. And she goes, I just stopped. And, and, and I said, sure, we, we all need prayer. And he said, well, my sister's a police officer, and, and I just want to cover you in prayer today. And she said, he said the most beautiful prayer, just prayed over me. And I got back into my car, and I just lost it. I started bawling. I started bawling. And I, I just said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I just needed that blessing today. I just needed that blessing today. Maybe you saw a couple of weeks ago the riots that were taking place and the, the protests and everything was going crazy in Louisville, Kentucky there. And there was a police officer, a white police officer who got separated from his unit. And he ends up and he says, I'm, I'm down in the middle of the protest and everything's just spinning in my head. And, and I realize that all of a sudden I'm separated from everybody. And here I am, a white police officer and protests are happening around. And, and I, I back up against a, a, a pizza shop 
because I don't want anybody behind me. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking in my mind, man, I'm going to get hurt real bad. And people start yelling at me and they're, are you a good cop? And, and, and all this. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And, and he said, and I'm scared for my life. And then all of a sudden, one guy, one man, right, African-American guy who was there at the protest, he had a University of Louisville shirt on, and he, and he steps up and he stands between me and the protesters. And he just stood there. And people are like, what are you doing? He says, hey, this isn't what we're about. And all of a sudden, another guy comes up, and he, and he stands next to him, and another guy comes up and stands next to him. And then all of a sudden, there's six guys that are standing between me and the protesters, and then they lock arms. <laughs> they lock arms. These guys don't even know each other, and they lock arms. And he said, they saved my life. They saved my life. And you know what I thought? I thought, that's the church. That's us, church, locking arms together, standing in the gap and saying, no, we're going to be people of peace, people of hope, because there is a God who is here and a God who cares. It's the power of one. God wants to use each of us. Look at this. What are you passing on to your kids? Guys, it's Father's Day. What are you passing on? So Saul stayed with them and he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Saul's whole agenda became the Lord, about God and what God wanted to do in people's lives. What are you teaching your kids? What are you teaching others about racism and about God? You know, my dad, he, he grew up in Mississippi. And I know back in his day, I know there was racism back there. But when my dad gave his life to Christ in his late 20s, man, God changed his heart. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. And my dad didn't pay, pass racism down. He didn't. I, I had friends you know, when I was growing up who were black, who were Hispanic, a lot of Hispanic friends, a lot of white friends. Oh, he didn't know. I didn't even know they were different, right? I mean, they just all spend the night at our house. Everybody's over. It's just, it was just, that's the way we were. And I look back now, and I'm like, thank you, God, that he didn't pass that down. Thank you, God, that you changed my dad's heart. Guys, what are you passing down? What are you saying? What are you teaching? What are you modeling? Let's raise up a generation of love. Guys, let's raise up a generation of love, not hate. There's a lot of hate right here in this, right? There was a lot of hate going on right then. And Saul said, no, 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 no. It's a God of love. And the church embraced it. And the church said, yes, we are going to love. We're going to raise up a generation. You change the world one life at a time. You change the world one life at a time. And we look and we go, man, I can't do all this. I can't do it all. No, 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 we don't have to do it all. You just be faithful right where you are. I sat down this past week with George Mondero, and George is on a worship team, just an amazing man of God, and, and I want you to hear just a little bit of his story. Watch this. George, thanks for sitting down with us today, and happy Father's Day to you. Thank you, man. Happy Father's Day to <laughs> you, Jeff. You. It's great. I love, it. I love being a dad, you know. It's awesome. Uh, tell us about your family. Yeah, so uh, I have one wife. Yeah, Her name good. is Lucy, and, uh, and, I've got, we, and we've got two daughters, uh, Savannah, who's eight, and Summer, who's five. So tell us where you grew up and then what brought you to the U.S.? Okay. I mean, so I was born in a country called Zimbabwe, yeah. you know, which is a, a country in the southern part of Africa. And um, I've got eight, uh, seven brothers, so the eight boys in our family. So I grew up in Zimbabwe. That's where I did my school. Then I finished up with that and then moved to South Africa. Spent four years in South Africa. 
and then moved to the UK, yeah. to Manchester, you know, uh, joined another band. It was music that took me over there. And uh, that's where I got to meet Lucy, got married. We've been married for 18 years. Uh, and then we lived in uh, the UK, you know, for almost 15 years, I'll say. And then we moved to Germany. You know where we spend uh, uh, you know two and a half years and and then made the transition to the U.S. This whole issue of race has got to be a big deal. It's always been a big deal in the United States, but even in the U.K. and and so tell me about your experience now uh, being a person of color living here in America. What's that been like for you? You know, I mean, obviously where we live here in Williamson County and Franklin Thompson Station. You know, I'm a minority. Yeah. You know, and so I, I feel some of the things. Um, that I've had to, uh, to deal with is, is just feeling stereotyped, I mean, stereotyped, you know, and, and being put in a box, you know. And so, you know, Lucy is, is white, oh, yeah. you know, she's British, and, you know, we, we were spending some time in Leap of, uh, Leapers Fork and, uh, with the kids, and, and obviously, you know, I came across a bunch of guys who didn't, obviously, you could tell they didn't agree with our, our marriage, you know, and, and, you know, and we were approached, and some things were said, and, and, you know, it was difficult because, you know, you're there with the kids. And as a father, you're thinking, oh, man, you know, how do I deal? You don't want something to escalate. But it's something that, you know, it's a reality of mm. what stuff that's happening over here. What do you think is, uh, is at the heart of it? What do you think is at the heart of the issue uh, when you come down to it and you look at this racism and these racial tensions? What do you, what do you think is coming from? We've got to understand one thing that, you know, we are different. Yeah. You know, we are different. And so God said he made us in his image, yeah. you know, and that's everything. And so, so when we, you know, when I judge someone, you know, because they're different, you know, I think that's a, a you know, we kind of saying, well, God, I don't really agree with your creation. Wow. I don't love your creation. You know, you know, I'm doubting, you know, what you made. I don't like what you made. So we got to go back to the beginning. We got to understand, educate ourselves, you know, about why this is happening. We, you know, we've got to educate ourselves and, and also then listen, you know, why is it happening? We have to continually have dialogue. Mm. You, know, uh, you know, Dr. King said something really interesting. He says, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, end up hating each other because they fear each other. Wow. You know, and uh, they fear each other because they don't know each other. You know, they don't know each other because they don't have relationships with each other. A lot of bad things happen in the world, Jeff, because too many good people stay silent. Wow. So we need to speak out. And, um, and as a church, I feel like as well, we've got to, uh, you know, love requires us, uh, you know, to get out, of our, get out of our comfort zone. You know, we need to uh, adjust our position to change our perspective. What do, you, what do you say to your kids? How do you talk to them about this whole issue of race? I mean, you know, <laughs> That's been hard because yeah. obviously uh, Savannah is at an age, you know, where um, uh, she, you know, she kind of understands a lot more what's going on. But we, I mean, we've had to almost even uh, had to talk about it because with Summer, mm -hmm. we actually had an experience in the school where there were kids who said, you know, they didn't like, you know, uh, because of her color. But yeah, we just got to talk to our kids. I, I, you know, I just try and just confirm them that God loves them, mm -hmm. you know, that they're just amazing and that, you know, we love them. Yeah. You know, so. Hey, as a Christ follower yeah. and, uh, and a dad yourself, you know, what do you hope for your kids or what do you hope for the world in the future? We need to come together continuously, you know, and fight for it. You know, mm -hmm. it's not easy, but, um, you know, and, and so, you know, my prayer is, Lord, you know, just uh, let me be more like you. You know, mm -hmm. Jesus loved people. Yeah. 
He loved people, you know, and he went to where the people was, you know. And the father is perfect, yeah. you know, and, and everything, he's, he's enough. Everything that we need is in him. So, we, you know, we need to become more like him, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I feel the more we all become more like him, you know, a lot of these things, will, you know, will get sorted out, I feel. Yeah. I tell you, George is an amazing man of God. I just love that guy. I mean, he's just been such a dear friend for years, and it's amazing to see him as a dad, um, as a husband, and uh, if you don't know him, I just encourage you to jump in and, and get to know him. We've, we have the whole interview. It's on the website. You can go and watch. It's 20 minutes, but just hear him speak from his heart, and, and this guy, I got to tell you, I've, I've served with him in the Amazon, you know, in some of the poorest places, and then he's been on some of the biggest stages uh, around the world. It leads to passion and everything else, but man, his heartbeat is for Jesus. We also shot a men's leadership network podcast, mensleadershipnetwork.com with Daryl Nelson, just talking about this thing of race. And Daryl grew up here and then became a police officer for nine years in Indianapolis. And, and growing up as an African-American man in the United States, it was just how God has, has shaped him and how the impact of race. And, and guys, it's all of us, all of us stepping out, all of us locking arms, all of us making a difference. And look at this one, number four. Hey, make your life purpose love. Make your life purpose love. You know, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. As the church included people, as the church led out in this area, Barnabas loved, and God used him to impact Saul. Barnabas didn't live in fear like Peter and James and John did. Barnabas stepped out and said, hey, Saul, let's have a conversation Let's go to lunch. Let's have coffee. Let's talk. Let's, let's become friends. Barnabas loved, right? Saul loved. <laughs> Jews and Gentiles. And God used him to change the world. Hey, will you love? Jesus said the most important commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. Love. And for you and I to live this life of love, for us to live so passionate for Jesus. Hey, church, I think there's three things we need to be doing. Three things. First of all is pray. Pray. We can all pray. Here's what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name, guys, that's us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways. Here's what he says. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. You see the correlation, right? If God's people are praying, are we praying about this? Are we praying for our country? Are we praying for our nation? Are we praying for people who serve? Are we praying for people of color? Are we praying for our leaders? Are we praying for everybody? Are we praying about this? If my people, then I will hear and I will heal their land. Second thing is this, make a friend. Make a new friend. Please, somebody who's different than you, somebody who's not like you, step out, take the initiative, right? Be the change that you want to see. Be the change you want to see. Us take the initiative. Us not sitting back and living in fear. Us being the ones going to others. Us being the ones to reach out. And, and number three is this, share Jesus. Guys, share Jesus with your family, your friends, your coworkers, because it's only Jesus who can change a heart. I mean, literally, it's only Jesus who can change a heart. One of my favorite places in the entire world, probably my favorite place, 
It's the garden tomb in Israel. And the garden tomb is a place, right? It's a park. It is beautiful. You walk in these gates, and I mean, it's a big area. But it's the place that people, a lot of people believe, was the place where Jesus was placed in the tomb. They're not for sure. They're not certain. But man, I mean, a lot of people believe because it's right by Golgotha, this hill that looks like a skull. And here is this tomb. It would have been for a rich man. But you go there, and people are coming from all over the world, and they go in, they look inside the empty tomb, and guess what? It's empty, right? Because we don't serve a dead Savior. Our Savior is alive. Jesus is alive. And you can go visit the tomb of a lot of world leaders or a lot of religious leaders in the world, and their bodies are still there. But Jesus is alive. And what's so amazing is when you go in and you look at the empty tomb, you come out. And then there's a place for groups to gather. There's picnic tables. There's little shelters all around this kind of park area. And people come there, and then you share communion together, and you, you take the Lord's Supper, and you're there. And then what's awesome is people start to sing. And so you start to hear, like, Amazing Grace being sung in Japanese or in Chinese or people from Canada gather together or people from Germany here, and they're all praying, and they're singing, and, and you're recognizing some of these songs, and you're hearing this, and I want to tell you, it gives you chills. It just gives you chills, and you're thinking, whoa, I'm in the presence of God, and with Jesus, we're all on equal terms. We're all come, and to be forgiven, and redeemed, and restored. Here's what it says in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 7 says, after this, John, looking into heaven, he says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And notice Lamb is capitalized. That's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And look at what they sing. Salvation. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I want to tell you, if there's a group of people that you don't like, you're not going to like heaven because every tongue and every nation is going to be there. And we're all going to be united in Jesus. We're all going to be forgiven and redeemed and restored. And so we, as followers of Christ, we begin to pray this, just like Jesus taught us. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, bring your will, bring your peace, bring your love to earth right here as it is in heaven. And Lord, start with us. We are your people. We are your church. And we stand in the name of Jesus. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. But maybe today is a day of salvation for you. Maybe today is a day you just say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive my sins, redeem me, restore me. But maybe today is a day when you go, God, search my heart. Father, see if there's any impure way in me. Father, any, anything in me that makes me feel like I'm better than other people or God, my mindset, God, just search me and forgive me. Maybe today you just want to say, God, fill me with your spirit so that I can teach the next generation. That I can teach about love and grace. That, 
that God, you would so fill me that it would just pour out of me, change my heart. Let me be a person of love. Let me be a person of grace. And every day, God, bring healing. Bring healing in my home or in our community. That God, bring healing to our nation. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. So God, come. We need you. Only you can change a heart. Only you can change a life. So Jesus, come. Start with us. We love you, Father. We dedicate our lives to you right here, right now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen.